0: Why are there so many types of Christian churches? That's uh, uh, the, the, the question that got voted on last week. This is a good question. I, I remember wondering this as a kid too. I didn't really grow up in a church, uh, but I bounced around to a lot of different churches. My grandma would take me to a church, or my mom or my dad occasionally would take me to these random churches. And I remember uh, one time when I was a teenager, in the span of a week, I went to two different churches. And the first one was uh, some sort of Lutheran church, I don't really know uh, exactly what kind of Lutheran church it was, uh, but it, well, I, do, I do know it was the kind that is out in the middle of uh, hay fields and there's like a road going this way and a road going that way and where they intersect, there's a Lutheran church and a house and they call it a town and people go to church there. <laughs> uh, yeah. And um, I remember walking into that, you know, and th- those guys were serious. I mean, they were, they were, I mean, the guy was like in this whole robe thing, right, and they they hand you, I didn't grow up in a Lutheran church, I had no idea what was going on, they hand me a, they hand you a little uh, agenda, Uh, you know, some of you guys that grew up in a Lutheran church, maybe you know what this thing's actually called, I don't know, they hand you an agenda and then they just, they stick to that agenda, if it's on the agenda, you say it, if it's not on the agenda, you don't say it, I mean, these guys, these guys are strict, serious too, and then later that same week, I went to, with a buddy of mine, I attended a service at a four square church, which you don't know what a four square church is. They're super charismatic, very demonstrative in their worship service. And so uh, we go from the Lutheran church where it's very kind of stoic and solemn and over to this four square church and the, there's drums and music and, and the, the worship starts. And these people are running up and down the, uh, the aisles, waving flags and so on and so forth. And they're chanting and yelling and things like this and I was going, what is going on here? Well, this is a, nothing I've ever seen, and it blew my mind. And, you know, Jesus said uh, in John 14:2, in my father's house, there are many rooms. And these two churches were so stinking different that I'm going, are they gonna be in the same bedroom? How would that, would, would Jesus make them be roommates? I mean, I, I, God has a sense of humor, I do believe, so maybe, how's that gonna work? Uh, you know, but there's so many cri- types of Christian churches. And they're so different. Uh, And, I mean, you probably drove by nine churches on the way to this one. Why? How did we end up with so many different types of churches? If you have a quick answer and then a little bit longer answer. The quick answer is just humans. uh, Humans, we're we're human. uh, And humans make up churches. And humans aren't. Great, all the time, and so we end up with a lot of different churches. The, the, my, my pastor and my mentor, uh, Dave Chamberlain, he had, he had uh, such a way with words sometimes. He defined the church. He said, what is the church? He said, it's a group of imperfect people joined together with, uh, under a perfect Savior. A, a group of imperfect people joined together with a perfect Savior. And I think that is a, a really good vision of the church. And I think that's probably why we got a lot of different kinds of churches. I mean, from the early on, I don't want to give a super boring history lesson, but just a crash course in church history. From very early on, even in the time of the New Testament, uh, the, the early church discussed and disputed and debated and even disagreed on a host of topics. I mean, the very reason we have like half of the New Testament is because Paul was always writing to these churches Helping them sort out their mess, their disagreements theologically, uh, sorting out their behavior. How should we live? What should we believe? And uh, you know, this and then in the centuries to follow uh, the writing of the New Testament, you know, this continued uh, debates and discussions and disagreements. And church leaders they would write letters to each other, trying to sort things out. How should we believe? And how should we live? They would, they would convene councils and they would make declarations and they would agree upon creeds and so on and so forth. And it was clear that not everyone was on the same page. So for the first thousand years, though there was an organizational unity, meaning they're like kind of with the, the church was like one structure, um, there, there was not unity of thought necessarily. There wasn't always unity of heart there it's very possible to wear the same logo as someone but still not have unity anyone that watches baseball knows that when a team tries to buy a bunch of all-stars they usually don't actually succeed because you can't get a bunch of showboating prima donnas to have anything that resembles unity right just because we got the same logo on our t-shirt doesn't mean we're necessarily going to have true unity and so the first thousand years there was structural unity but there wasn't always spiritual unity and then uh, in 1054 there's the great east west schism i don't know if you remember learning about that in history but you kind of had the, the christian world was sort of two halves two two sides and the side in the east that spoke greek and was heavily influenced by greek philosophy you had the, you had the part in the west that was, spoke latin was heavily uh, influenced by roman law and they Debated and disagreed on you know, uh, some doctrinal things and where, how power should be structured and centralized and how decisions should be made and so on and so forth. And eventually it led to a, a, a rift forming and uh, they eventually split. Then you fast forward the clock about 500 years and you get to the time of the Protestant Reformation where a man, uh, a German monk named Martin Luther, starts reading this book right here. And he starts to realize, man, he's the Catholic Church, man you, you guys you know we are way off, and now, when someone tells a powerful organization that they are way off, it usually doesn't go too well and so what en- eventually ended up happening was the Protestant Reformation and and Protestants split from the Catholic Church and then <laughs> since since then, uh, we have countless different branches and offshoots of uh, of Protestantism, and it should be no surprise, right? Because if the the fundamental difference between uh, the the Roman Catholic Church and the uh, Protestant Church is that we say, as Protestants, we say that uh, this book right here is the sole authority for things of faith and practice. The Catholic Church says, well, you know, it's that book plus the word of the Pope plus tradition. So, so that's the, that's the, that's the um, fundamental difference there. And so then within the Protestant uh, movement, should be no surprise that if the whole foundation of this movement is to is to get this book, to get God's word in every person's hands, in their language, that they may read it and know it and understand it and interpret it and apply it for themselves, if, if if that's what we're all about, then it should be no surprise that we disagree on some stuff. It should be no surprise that we end up with one one church that says, "Well, I, I actually think this is how you should interpret that," and one church that says, "Well, I kind of I disagree. I think it should be this one." Uh, you know, so since the Reformation, we've had countless splits. Some of them have been reacting to things they didn't like. Some of them ha- haven't been reactionary so much as movements, not reacting against something they don't like, but actually moving towards something they, they do like. So w- when we ask the question, why are there so many types of Christian churches? Um, the, 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 that, that could come from a place of just genuine curiosity, sure. But in a lot of, a lot of people, um, that would actually come from a place of uh, accusation. There's kind of an accusation behind it. If I say, why, why are there so many Christian churches? The accusation kind of be that, um, that just Christians just can't get along. And that's kind of an oversimplification. And there can be an assumption behind that too. The assumption being that the fact that there are different kinds of churches is a bad thing. And I would just like to ask you, is is it really that simple? Do you really think that there are so many different churches that it could be explained so simply as these guys, just these Christians, they just so judgy and they're just jerks and they can't get along. Do you think it's really that simple? Also, I would ask you, is it really that bad of a thing? Um, I don't think so. I, now it's true. Sometimes churches split because Christians can't get along. That's in there. That's a piece of the puzzle. Don't don't let's not be uh, let's not uh, fool ourselves. Sometimes it's a dis- disagreement over some cultural difference. Sometimes it's a uh, disagreement on how money should be spent or how, you know, how decisions should be made or things like this. Um, the Free Methodist Church, not the United Methodists, the Free Methodist Church is a great example, split from the Methodist Episcopal Church, the Methodist Episcopal Church, okay? And that, why did they split? They, they thought the Methodist Episcopal Church wasn't living out the Bible the way that, that they are called to live out the Bible. And so they, they eventually they eventually kind of s- split and they took the name free. Why? Because it represented a few cultural issues of their time. One of them being there, were, uh, there was a practice commonly accepted by churches at the time called pew rentals where you would rent your pew. You'd pay money so you could have your pew, right? And so they would take the, that's how they'd take money and they'd fund ministries and so on and so forth. Um, uh, the Free Methodists and a handful, the Christian Missionary Alliance is uh, one of them, said, "No, nah, I don't think that lines up with what this teaches. Uh, I, I think you should not have to. You, you shouldn't have to pay to come to church. Everyone should be able to come to church, whether they can afford it or not." And so they did it. So it became. They chose the name Free Methodist. Also, uh, the topic at the time was um, uh, slave ownership. Was very a very hot topic. Um, and uh, they, this particular group of Methodists, did not believe that Christians should own slaves. So they said, "We're the free Methodists." You listen, that's, that, that split doesn't sound that, that makes sense to me. That doesn't sound terrible to me. So, so sometimes there's cultural things, and uh, and, and, and a group of. A group of Christians becoming two groups of Christians isn't actually a bad thing. Also, think about, think about it this way. Sometimes to preserve, preserve the truth, the most necessary thing a group can do is to leave the group. So, if, for example, if you have, a, say, a denomination... That started off saying, We believe this word. We love, we love what's written in here. We, we believe that, that God's word is inerrant and infallible. And we believe that Jesus uh, rose f- uh, from the dead and is the only way to heaven and is the actual Son of God and, 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 and so on and so forth. And, and then that church starts to drift from that and, go, and starts going, Yeah. I don't know if we really believe this book anymore. I I don't, well, maybe this part's kind of cool, but I don't know about this part and so on and so forth. And that they start to drift and they go, yeah, you know what, did Jesus really rise from the dead? Or is that just kind of a big metaphor or something? Oh, and and is he really the only way to heaven? And do you actually need to have faith in Jesus and blah, blah, blah. And pretty soon what they believe has nothing to do with what's written in here. Now in that group, there's usually a faithful minority that goes, no. We still believe this book. We still believe that Jesus is the Messiah. We still believe that he died and rose from the grave. We believe that he is the Savior. And the most faithful thing that group of people can do at a certain point is leave the group. So sometimes, to preserve the truth, it's a split and it isn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, so there's a host of reasons There's so many different Christian churches. Uh, I think a better question to ask than, why are there so many types of Christian churches? I think a better question for us to ask is, what should our posture be toward other churches? How How should we think about other churches? How should, how, should we, how, how should we feel about other churches? How should we talk about other churches? How should we interact with, with Christians from other churches, stuff like this? I think that's a way better, way more helpful question for us. And I think a rock solid answer to that is given in Ephesians chapter four, verses one through six. And Paul's writing to Eph, uh, the church in Ephesus. And he, this, is, this is a church in a city that is nothing like the church in Jerusalem. You think about this. He's writing to their their, their Greek, not Jewish. So their their, their food was different. What they understood of God, how they grew up was different. Their music was different. Their language was different. Their culture was different. They were very different. The, 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 The Jewish background believers versus the Greek background believers, they were very, very different. But Paul writes to them, and this is this is what he writes and I wanna read the, this passage and then I'd like to pray and I just wanna ask, ask God to help us just understand it and, and apply it correctly. And then, my, my, and then I wanna walk through uh, the three chunks of this passage and my, my, uh, my big ask for you is, would you just open your heart now to what God may have to say to you through this text, not through Brandon, You don't really need to. What I got to say. I I hope that you hear something from God, though, and, and as from this text. So let's let's read this. Paul writes, "I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit." in the bond of peace there is one body and one spirit just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is over all and through all and in all whoever has ears to hear let them hear what the spirit says to the church would you pray with me now um Lord, we've read uh, this text. We've read um, what Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. Um, And we know, God, that our hearts drift from your heart. And so would you work through this text to shape us into the type of church whose heart lines up with your heart? God, would you help us in this? Would you help us understand? And so much more, God. God. Would you help us live this out when, when, we, when we leave these walls? To your glory, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so the first thing I want you to see in this text is Paul's exhortation. Paul's gonna exhort them, he urges them. Give, I want you to see the exhortation, and then he's gonna, he's gonna give some clarification, and then finally he will end with sort of a foundation Uh, for that exhortation. So first thing, I want you to hear the exhortation. Uh, How we live on earth should line up with our reality in heaven. I think that's the exhortation here. Verse one, he says, I therefore, now is a helpful, cheesy little Bible study tip. Every time you read the word therefore, Ask yourself, now this is cheesy, but you're going to remember it. Ask yourself, what's the therefore, therefore? <laughs> it's dumb, but you're going to remember it, and you're going to do it, and it's going to help. All right, what's the therefore, therefore? Therefore, he's saying, because of everything I just wrote in the first three chapters of this letter, which specifically talks about the gospel, specifically talks about our problem of sin and our alienation from god from our sin our hostile disposition toward god because of our sin and everything that god did in jesus to bring us back into god does that make sense and he says so i therefore because of that i a prisoner of the lord paul reminds us that following christ is costly so what he's about to teach it's gonna it's gonna cost me It's going to cost you if you're going to live this out. He says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. What on earth does he mean right there? I urge you, I exhort you to walk. That means to live in a certain way. It's talking about your daily life, how you live. To live, to walk in a manner worthy. That means balanced or in correct proportion to befitting of the calling to which you have been called so our our our, our how we live our conduct our character it should it should line up with our calling It should match our our calling, but what on earth is he talking about, our calling there? A lot of times we use the word calling as Christians as as sort of a vocation or purpose or a mission in life, things like this. That's not what Paul's talking about. He's specifically talking about the effectual call of God that draws sinful human beings into God's saving grace. He's talking about salvation when he says calling here he's talking about god calling us into a relationship with himself and he's going to expound upon that or expand that thought a little in a few verses but big picture paul's saying how we live on earth it should line up with our reality in heaven what's true of our lives in heaven and the second point he provides some clarification that means that on earth, it means pursuing unity with other believers. Uh, verse 2, he's going to kind of give some, some, some unity drivers. So what type of people should we be? How then shall we live type stuff? Verse 2, he says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, humility. Humility. And not because we're inferior, but because we know we're not superior. Humility here is is meek-mindedness, lowly-mindedness. It's just simply saying, I know that I am not better than anyone else. Gentleness. The word has to do with being considerate of others. It's the opposite of being harsh and inconsiderate. Um, not seeking to dominate. So humility, gentleness, patience, right? Rather than being impatient or, or even better, rather than being irritable, but, but restraining the desire to maybe seek revenge or put people in their place or even restraining the desire to just uh, to dis- divorce people quickly, to, to leave and escape. Uh, he says with humility, gentleness, patience. Uh, This is the oil between the gears of relationships. He says, be people who bear with one another in love. (laughs) Put up with other people's nonsense. Put up with other Christians' nonsense. Uh, This is hard to hear. This is is hard to hear sometimes. Um, But Paul, Paul, Paul was in prison for the gospel. So he knows that following Jesus is costly. Bear with one another. That doesn't mean uh, take abuse. You got to still protect yourself, but bear with one another. Why? Being so that we will be people who who are eager to maintain, like our desire would be to maintain unity. Our goal is rather than to be divisive, uh, to, to, to be, be uh, you know a unifying presence our hope should be not division but, but, but unity uh, eager to maintain that means to guard or, or to preserve the, the unity of the spirit That's God the Holy Spirit the unity that is found in him so how we live on earth it should line up with our reality in heaven And that means pursuing unity on earth why now the third piece i want you to see here is paul gives the foundation for this exhortation the foundation is because there is unity in heaven the foundation is there's unity in the trinity our appeal the appeal for our unity to pursue unity here is rooted in the perfect harmony in the members of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Here, listen to what Paul says, verses four through six. He says, there is one body. What's he talking about body there? He means church. So there are many types of churches, but there's one, there's one church. That's Paul's understanding in Ephesians. It's it's a body where Jesus is the head, and, and we're, we're the, I, 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 might, I might be like the part behind the, Knee, elbow, the knee, elbow pit, that might be me, I don't know. You, you might be a, a big toe, uh, an ear, a mouth, I don't know. We, we're, but we're dif- different members that are one, and Jesus is the head. Another illustration he gives is a, the temple, and we're like little stones, and he's the cornerstone. Another illustration he gives is, 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 is we're like a, a family and, it's, and the picture is like God's the dad, and we're, we're the family in him. So there is one body and one spirit. So there's only one church, and there's only one Holy Spirit. Can you imagine if God had to just send a different Holy Spirit to every different type of church there is? Well, we'll send a Lutheran Holy Spirit here, and the, Baptist, well, the Baptists, they need a serious Holy Spirit, and by the Pentecostal sentiment, we make a different Holy Spirit for that. It's just nonsensical to think that different churches would have a different Holy Spirit. It's, it's ridiculous. There's one church, one, one body, one spirit. And he says, just in the same way you were called to the one hope. That hope is our, our, we have one hope. That is heaven, God, eternal life in Christ. Just as you were called in the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, that's Jesus. One faith, that's the belief in Jesus. One baptism, that's not the water, it's what the water represents. It's the being baptized that the Holy Spirit baptizes us or immerses us somehow. When when, when, when we put our faith in Christ and, and God makes us new, the Holy Spirit somehow takes our life and baptizes it into the life of God in some spiritual very mysterious way we are in Christ in God Uh, that's the baptism and the the water baptism that it represents the real baptism now and one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all okay so do do you hear how intertwined interwoven our, our lives and, 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 and the gospel are with the triune God. Do you hear, Paul basically goes, here's his pattern. He, he kinda goes, us, God, us, God, us, us, God, God. Right? One church, us, one spirit, one hope, us, one Lord, Jesus, God, one faith, us, one baptism, us, one God, us, one, one Father, us. You, you, you hear this is just in Christ, our lives are so united to the life of God. And the notion that the Godhead, the members of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Spirit, would have any sort of disunity is absurd. And, and, and Paul's saying, you guys know, in Christ, you're you're joined up with that God. You're unified with that God. You are one. We, we are, are one. And, and other, other, other churches that also have that same faith and that, and that same baptism, other churches, they're one, we're, we're one in God. That's Paul's reason for us to pursue unity here because we're one. Now, so what does this mean for us today? Well, I believe that this, pa- this passage should shape the posture of our hearts toward other Christians, both individuals and groups. You know what I'm saying? This passage should be what forms how we think about and view and appreciate and talk about and interact with other Christians. It certainly means that humbly, gently, patiently bearing with other Christians in our group and out of our group, it's not an option. That, that, that having an, living with an eagerness, the, the desire that we want more than anything, be true unity, it's just not an option. It's, it's a commandment. It's to, do, to, to, to settle for anything less is incongruent with who we are in God because of Christ. So it probably means that we all should evaluate our hearts toward other Christians, we we should probably all evaluate our hearts toward other Christians in this room and and out out of the, this room, in our group and out of the group. It might mean that some of us need to to maybe repent of being divisive or or ask forgiveness for being harsh. Uh, maybe repent before God for for not exercising humility, not pursuing humility. It it might mean uh, that we got some adjustment to make in our lives, in our thoughts, in our hearts. Now, I don't think it means that all churches should look the exact same. I don't think that's what it means, okay? Uh, there's a big difference between uh, form and function or or, or method and message. Uh, churches can come in all shapes and sizes, right? But, but the function, what they're supposed to do, uh, that's gotta be, uh, that's got to be the same. They, they can come in, they can, we can employ all different methods, but the message has to be the same. It's all about Jesus. It's salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And if that's the message, then it doesn't matter if their music's a little bit different or their worship routine's a little bit different or if the the style of their building is, is totally different or. Uh, even if how they make decisions on how, to, how their church should be led or structured or th- things like this, um, they, they, that all can be different. Um, and I also don't think that it means that you and I have to go to a church that doesn't nourish our, our soul. I don't think that's what it means either. We can appreciate without you know, con- conforming to them or you get what I'm saying? If, you, if there's a certain church that does things differently than than your love language, if there's a church that doesn't really speak your love language, you can say, hey, praise God, they love Jesus, but it ain't for me. And I'm going to go to the one that has music, maybe that that helps connect me to God, or so on and so forth. Um, And we can appreciate without conforming to them. Now, this definitely, and I want you to hear this, this definitely does not mean that we disregard false doctrine. The pursuit of unity is not a blindness to false teaching. It does not mean that we turn a blind eye. Like, later on in this very chapter that uh, that we're reading here, verse 14, Paul is going to talk about his desire for the body to grow up and mature, for the church to, for Christians to be mature Christians. And he says, so that we may no longer be children, uh, tossed, to and fro by the waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. So it doesn't mean that we turn a blind eye to wrong belief and we say, well, just because they have a, a cross on their building and a and church in their name, we just gotta, we gotta a, a, a affirm everything they say. No, that's, that's not the case. That's not the case, okay? So uh, I think it would be uh, not super helpful if I said uh, appreciate other churches, but still be discerning and don't give you some some helpful tips on how to be discerning. Uh, this is gonna simplify things too much, but I think it might be helpful. I'll give you two questions to ask about the churches. Actually, I'm gonna really give you three. I'll give you three questions to ask, okay? First question, if you wanna ask, if you wanna understand, is this church uh, different but still you know uh, a true church or or not first thing you ask does jesus get a demotion in that church okay the first question does man, the first thing to go out the door for like sub uh, christian like sectarian cults is the divinity of christ jesus always gets a demotion oh uh, we like him but he's not actually divine we like him, but he's not actually the Son of God. We like him, but he's not actually the Savior. We li- you get what I'm saying? If Jesus gets a demotion uh, in your church, get another church. Second one, do you have to work for a promotion to get to heaven? So not only does Jesus get a demotion, but if they preach a message that makes you work to get a promotion, well, by that I mean good behavior, moralism specifically, doing the right religious things in the right religious places at the right religious times. If they, listen, you don't get to heaven by being a good person. You get to heaven by being forgiven. Perfect people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. And so if a church preaches a message of salvation by works, find a different church because that's not a church Uh, and that sounds harsh Study the book of Galatians, okay? Third thing, do people get loved or burnt? Do people get loved or hurt? Now, some people are gonna get hurt in good churches sometimes, and some people are gonna get loved by, by uh, false churches sometimes. I get it, I know it's not that clear. But if a church is just chewing people up and spitting them out, that's not a good sign. We should always strive to be a church where people uh, grow in, in in their their their, their health and, and they their thriving and they flourish in their faith, and that should be our. That we, we should see that you should know them by their fruit. And so, be wary. A church can even believe the right things, but if the end result is people getting chewed up, chewed up and spit out, then that's probably probably want to avoid that church. And you don't want to condone that church either to someone. Um, okay, so does Jesus get a demotion, and do you have to work to get a promotion, and uh, are, they, are, they, are they loving? Let's, let's use those three, and you know, it doesn't answer all the questions, but by and large, if, 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 if you check those boxes, man, that's a church. That's, that is a church that we want, even if they do things way differently than you. Even if they structure themselves in a way you disagree with. Even, even, if, even if there's some little emphases, uh, it's a little distinctives, a little uh, you know, secondary or tertiary issues that you just uh, disagree with. Uh, but those things are right. I, th- I think we should praise Jesus for them, love them, and pray for them. We should have unity with those churches. Why? Because it's going to take all kinds of churches to reach all types of people. It takes all kinds of churches to reach all types of people. Does that make sense? Right, there might be a church that you drive by to get here. And uh, maybe, maybe they're way different than, 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 than us, but they, they do love Jesus and they're faithful to his word and they love people well. Guys, what we're gonna do is love that church and pray for that church and bless that church. We're gonna say, praise God for that church. Why? Because they're gonna reach people that are never gonna come here and we're gonna reach people that are never gonna go there. It takes all kinds of churches to reach all kinds of, of people. Does that, does that make sense? Okay, so we all need to, I believe, evaluate our hearts toward other Christians and other churches in light of what Paul says here. I'd take a little time this week and, and read over this maybe and examine yourself, but here's, here's my challenge to you this week. This one's a little bit wackier than normal, uh, but here's my challenge to you this week. Would you do something this week that blesses someone who, who goes to a different type of church than ours? I don't, I don't even know what, and I don't even know how, and I don't even know who. Just thinking, I guarantee you, if you pause and pray and go, God, okay, who I got in my life that goes to a different type of church than me? How could I, what, what's something I could do to bless them? If you just do something that blesses someone that goes to a different type of church, and before you do it, pray for them, and after you do it, pray for them. That's it, all right? And, and like... Kind of make this like a, a top secret thing. Don't let it come, get back. Don't get let word go out that like we, we made this thing up. Like, you know, try to do this without anyone finding out that the God who sees, the father who sees in, in, in secret will, will reward. Uh, all right, so now, uh, would you stand if you're able? And I wanna pray, I wanna pray for us as a church. And then I wanna adapt some language out of Paul's uh, letter here as in the form of a blessing. Uh, God, would you, would you help us be a church, Lord, that gets this right? God, we, we've, we, we confess to you the, 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 the pride that we've had when there should have been humility the, the harshness we've had when there, there should have been gentleness, the irritability we've had when there should have been patience. God, would you help us to be a church that, that bears with people in love, both within these walls and without. Jesus, I, th- I thank you for other churches. Would you help us, God, to lead the way in unity? Would you help us be the church that even if, even if other churches really don't think the same way as we do on this, God, would you help us to be a unifying presence in our community, in our neighborhoods, in our relationships? And I ask this, God, not, not so that we can look good, but so that Jesus can look good. The world doesn't really understand why there's so many different types of Christian churches, but I I pray, God, that through our love and appreciation for other churches that are different than us, God, would the gospel be preached in a powerful way that people would know that, Jesus, you truly are the savior. I pray this in your name, amen. Now by the riches of his glory, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, and God's people said, amen. Have a wonderful week. See you next Sunday.